Dynamic Experience Podcast with Timo. Hey everybody, welcome to the show, uh, A Dynamic Experience with Timo, episode 31. Uh, this week on the show, I'm with Edgar Marukul. Hey, Chief, uh, thank you. I got it right. I got it right. Oh, you got it right. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, because hey, I've been practicing uh, before uh, to, to get it right. Uh, I think before before we go too far, uh, people know you as a a soccer player, as a, a rugby a rugby player. Now you're a coach, uh, but a lot of people don't know that actually you had a love for soccer. Um, where did that come come from? So for me, man, I, I grew up as a young age. My father was an avid Mamelodi Sundown supporter. So I grew up going every single weekend to Odi Stadium in Mamelodi with my father. Mm. We used to travel down to all the games. I mean, even one of the games, we went to Lesotho to watch one of the CAF games with uh, Mamelodi Sundowns when uh, Ted Dumitri was still the coach of, of Mamelodi Sundowns. So in my, in my dreams, I always thought I'd always be a, a Bafana Bafana player. Mm. Why, why, why did you did your dad play soccer or anybody else in your family play any type of sports? No, but I think in my background, where we come from, from Fosterhurst and and Jane First and Limpopo, everyone plays soccer. It's the it's the it's the standard thing to do in order yeah. to be able to deviate from really difficult. So everyone in my community plays soccer. So for me, that's that's all I wanted to do. My father loves soccer, and I wanted to do that as well. Yeah, because all the soccer I see in the hood. That's the, that was the only available uh, uh, thing you can play. It's not like you had an opportunity to play uh, a tennis. No, nothing like that. The only thing that's, that's, that's available to you is an open field. And so <laughs> the rest of that, you can make up with it what you want to do. Yeah, you know, it's quite sad, actually, that we learned of the passing of uh, Anelin Nonga, who was um, a, a Mamelodi Sundowns player, which is a team that you like. Um, and he's almost our age. I think you're 32 now, ne? 32 or 33, somewhere there. And I'm, th- I'm turning 30. And for someone to pass away at that age, and you look at where you are in life, how does his passing make you reflect on life? Well, man, I actually heard the news the other day, and I realized to myself, oh, my word, this guy's been one of the stalwarts, one of, one of the shining lights of South African sports in terms of what he did in Belgium for, for South African sport was absolutely incredible. To hold, in order for him to play against Ronaldo's and Messi's on a weekend, week out. Yeah, 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 yeah. Champions League, it's, it's not a, we can't discredit the man and he's done an amazing thing for the sport with his talent. But for me, what it means, it means that Edgar, there's still a lot of work for you. I believe that um, the message that he's passing away says there's still a lot of work to do. We still haven't achieved what we wanted to achieve and also, life can be taken away from you in a glimpse. It's, mm. it's nothing is promised. Needless tomorrow promised. Anything is possible today. Because, mm. you know, this week I've been thinking about a friend of mine called Husiami, who passed away. Uh, I'm fortunate enough that both of my parents are, are still alive. Uh, and I only, I've only been losing a couple of fr- friends here and there. So I've been thinking about her life. I'm thinking, you know, she used to be a person who lived life to the fullest. Uh, if you look like look at a player like uh, Diego Maradona, he lived fully. He, he he lived extremely fully. He lived his life fully, professionally and socially. He lived a full yeah. life. A full life. 
and I, I saw that you lost your dad at some point in, in your life. What kind of a person was he, was he like? I think my father was an absolute, he was a lover of sport. And I, he believed in, in the new South Africa more than anyone else, probably. And by the time of 1992, he was working in Alberton in a very, in a very area that's, that's suggested as a, as a very sort of discriminatory area back in those days. And for him to have a job as a, as a, as a traffic officer. And then in the meantime, while he's the traffic officer, he applied and he became a, he became a constitutional lawyer while being a traffic officer at the ah. same time. Oh, you got a son? Oh, you? No, not yet. Planning, planning, planning. Planning too. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, hey, Kanti, when did this happen? Comrade, uh, didn't see you. No, no, we're planning too. In time, in time. In time, ne? And do you yeah, have... willing as well. <laughs> do you have other siblings that that you that you that are around you? A sister, a brother? Got a younger, I've got a younger brother and a younger sister, and yeah, they're both seven, five years seven and five years younger than me. I've also got a cousin that I grew up with um, that's also the same age as I am. But yeah, we grew up together almost as twins. He's my father's, my father's, my father's brother's son. So, you know, in the African culture, if, if any of your, your if any of your uncles, they, they're all your brothers, no one gets an opportunity to, to discredit you and say that you take his son, you take on his son as if he's your own son. Yeah. So, Tell us, how were you introduced uh, into rugby? I mean, Chief, you could have, because uh, I, I saw you had dreams of playing for Bafana Bafana. So then you, I did, go, I did, uh, then you go to Poch Boys. So tell us what I For sure. So Mami Lodi Sundowns used to have an academy in Pochefstrom called the 20, uh, the 20 Tigers, or they used to call them the, the Tigers team that was in, in Pochefstrom. And I thought to myself, I'm going to go there. As I arrived to Poch Boys and I thought I can go during the afternoons, as, and I thought I'd made that arrangement before the time. <laughs> but unfortunately, schools couldn't open, the, couldn't open the gates, and also they wouldn't allow me at certain times to go to the academy. So the most difficult Poch Boys is a more, it's a boarding school. Boarding school, only okay. boys, yeah. Okay, 100% yeah. English as well yeah. in Poch of Strum. And yeah, there's no soccer as well. It's, it's, only, it's only rugby, hockey and, okay. and those traditional sports uh, from those schools. Yeah, and so I thought I'd moving to Poch to go join the Mamilori Sundowns Academy. Little did I know that uh, there wouldn't be any of that because I was, my parents would have never allowed me to go to Poch of Strum without studying as well at the same time. Mm. Was Poch Boy uh, a more white white school dominated? Hundred uh, percent, yeah. It's uh, a very model school at the time, and it's yeah. but it's also transition of time. But it's a no yeah, excellent school, and yeah, still got great values, ethos, and traditions as well. Were you well received by the other white players within that school? Because I, I guess no, the school's an excellent, hundred percent English. It's one of the places okay. I think in my life that really broke down the the boundaries of of race or whatever. Because in that school, we're really you're boarding with the guys, hundred percent English. All of the kids are, are also coming around from really from from a right background. So okay. all of them are very open minded in their in their in their views on life. And so mm -hmm. it was really it was an excellent school to to go as a young man. So you played rugby from the time you got there? So after two months, I said, no, listen, once they realized that I can't play soccer, <laughs> I just picked up the rugby ball. I said, guys, let's see what this thing can do. And uh, by the end of the year, 
I was the most improved player, not necessarily the best player, but they said I was the most improved. So I took that clearly as a sign to say, Edgar, you're not too bad if you can, if you're getting an award for the most improved player. <laughs> so I'm guessing you had to, in some sense, prove yourself day in, day out that, you know, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this. What extra things were you looking to, to improve? And how was that experience for you? Well, that you said- so I think, like, especially my- Go ahead. No, no, you can continue. No, especially when you arrived at a school and you thought your dreams were, were to become a soccer player. And all you, I didn't even watch the 95 World Cup that everyone talks about. I watched the 96 African Cup of uh, African yeah. Cup of Nations with Neil Toffey, Mark Batchelor and all those guys. And Linda Boutelez, I never watched the 95 World Cup. So I had no pedigree, no understanding of rugby whatsoever. So the things that I had to overcome in that first year was first of all, my fear of contact, my fear of, my fear of the sport that it was always traditionally put as a sport for, for Afrikaners and these yeah. people that, uh, that put South Africa back in. It, that's how, in your mind, that's the picture and the frame that you had. Yeah. So you had to overcome those things in your mind. So when you participate, that there aren't those boundaries in your participation. Yeah, I'm guessing your parents, your mom, also at the time couldn't understand. Hey, can't you, why are you playing African things here? What's going on with you? It's, it's, my mother did not know I played rugby yes. until my mother did not know I played rugby until maybe two years later. Afterwards, <laughs> she's scars in my face, and then she's like, "Hey, what's going on here, this man?" Yeah, because you could have chosen a, an easy sport. What, what did they have there? But cricket or something that know, was non-contact. I don't know about easier sport. I don't think cricket or hockey are easier sports, but definitely yeah, less physical on the on the physical front. So, I mean, I was weighing a mere 43 kgs at the time. So mm. I was regarded as a as an underweight for for, for grade eight kids. Uh, while you were still playing there, did you still have aspirations in the back of your mind? And, you know, this will pass. I'll play soccer again. No, I think once once you get engulfed into the into the culture of of Poch of Shrimp Boys and and you understand that there's a there's a reward system the, the system rewards guys that really do well at rugby and do well in uh, in, in sports. So in that time you get in, you get engulfed by the culture and so after a while all you want to do is come to the top of the culture. You want also to be celebrated because. The first team rugby used to all wear white scarves at school. Everyone else used to wear blue scarves. So sooner or later, that becomes your milestone. That becomes wow. the, the platform you chase. You forget all the other dreams and say, I want to be like those people that are wearing white scarves. Oh, so you you wanted to be part of that identity to, to say that Edgar Absolutely. is a rugby player. Edgar I wanted to be like it. Yes, I wanted to be part of those guys that were significant and that were called special by our schools, by our peers. I wanted my peers to call me special and significant at that time. Yeah, because I, I know almost if the academics are not going too well, at least you must be striving in the sports. So fortunately enough for me, I think especially being my father studying law, like he really engraved a, 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 a really strong work ethic of 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 studying really well. So even though he was working as a lawyer, he'd come back at night and study till two o'clock in the morning. And, and you see that. Yeah, I would see that, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. so that yeah. rubbed off me. Sometimes I see myself doing that and I realize to myself, wow, like I think it's by my own strength, but I realized there was definitely um, a habit, a habit osmosis where I was picking up my father's habits. I was drawing and he attracted some of those habits mm. onto me. But, but when you are young, you have you have this stupid thing of saying, I will never do that. I will never do that. 
Just in your not going to do that. And no, absolutely. Up, I mean, I can come at five o'clock in the morning, is going to the library on weekends to the Boxberg Library on, on weekends. It'd be like, let's go with it. So I didn't... Yeah, I think my father studying to become a constitutional lawyer while being a, while being a traffic officer in those, in those days, really, I picked up some of his habits that I didn't necessarily think that I would ever pick up. I mean, on weekends, we'd go to the Boxberg uh, Library and... Um, and I'd be sitting there outside the library, playing in the pond, playing soccer on the side. I'd have to mm. come back every couple of hours and sit with my dad and study and watch him study. And I only realized later that actually I understand now what he was trying to do all along, trying to instill some of those habits, trying to instill some of that philosophy and thinking about how to really achieve your dreams. And I look back and I'm grateful for that. But at the time, I was really sort of really sour and <laughs> and, uh, not really keen because it's your Saturday, it's your weekend, and you think as a young man I should be playing soccer. Yeah. So, what type? You play hooker, if I'm right, ne? Yeah. What type of skill sets does one have to have to become a, a good hooker? What would you so say? So, hooker is probably one of the. It's probably one of the the toughest probably positions in rugby, if I may say so myself. It's one position where. You've got to be almost as strong as the front row as all the for the people that don't know rugby. It's the it's the biggest guys on the field. It's the sometimes some people that don't know rugby will call them fat or call them lazy, <laughs> but but they're really really strong. So and they do a lot of good work. So as a hooker, you've got to be as strong as them, but you can't be as big as them. And you've got mm -hmm. to be the size of a flanker. So you've almost got to be just as fit as one of the fittest guys in the team. Try so you constantly trying to be between two sort of spheres of of absolute strength and also oh. absolute fitness the whole time so it creates a really sort of it creates a really unique individual and unique sort of conditioning it creates a unique mindset in your head in order to it develops a tenacity and a resilience that says i have to be fit but i also have to be really really strong so it's one of the toughest positions on the field yeah what type of uh, what type of skill sets did you had to, did you have to improve because now you're at porch boys and now you're moving into varsity cup uh into so yeah so a i played varsity difference. cup i played varsity cup for 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 Pekka. i played for Pekka university Potsdam university i also played for the university of johannesburg as well and just along the time and even now while i was at the balls like continuously you've got a con You've got to continuously improve your fundamentals. You've got to pass really well left and right. You've got to be able to hook. You've also, you've also got to be able to throw, which which is one of the hardest skills to master. It's probably throwing a rugby ball, not just mm, passing mm. it, but at almost an overhead pass over your head, which is an unnatural motion or movement in any other sport. It's almost like a, a quarterback in, in NFL. You've got to be yeah, throwing yeah, in that sort of motion, but... Mm. But in rugby, using two hands, and so that even makes it more even trickier. Yeah, I saw you. You had a, a, a relationship with one of the car guards, um, Mandla, I think was his name. Yeah. To, to help you out with uh, your throws and so on. How did you guys develop that relationship before you continue? So for me, I'm, I, I've always had the, the the idea of always trying to work better than everyone else, trying to out outwork my opponents, trying to outwork myself even and saying, Edgar, have you really done better what you could have ever thought today? Have you done everything possible in order for the talent that you have, in order for yourself to express itself well? So what I do is after training at the Blue Bulls or even any environment that I was in, whether I was at the Southern Kings and in Port Elizabeth as well at a stage, and 
what I'll do is I'll drive to the local park and, yeah. and I'll go throw. And so I'd have someone that would have to pick up a board and, and a target for me to throw at. And so in Pretoria, I met a guy here in the car, one of the car guards. And I've always found those people are always the ones that are probably most uh, most accessible, ones that are probably also um, ones that you can probably call upon anytime. I used to have friends, but then I can't ask my friend every single day after my training session to do that. So I just drive past here at, at Loftus, Loftus Plaza, at, um, at Hatfield Plaza, get months as a car guard, and we started throwing, started forming a relationship. We'd hold the board up for me. Yeah, and yeah, after yeah. a while, man, he even started becoming my throwing coach because, because he came so good at understanding what I needed from the pole. What am I trying to get? What am I trying to do? So it's a great story and really an amazing guy that, that helped my development as well, that contributed to some of the wonderful performances at the Vodacom Bulls. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's not uh, go quickly into your career, where, like where you are now, playing for the Bulls and so on. So, Varsity Cup is one of those big, 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 big uh, uh, tournaments that are around for rugby. And it, it exposes you to a lot of sponsorships and different players from different uh, universities and so on. Uh, how did you find growth in competing in that type of an environment? I think the Varsity Cup is probably one of the best competitions in the, in the, in the world in terms of understanding that university students is probably the one place where you can invest a lot of time into your studies and also into your, into your rugby. It's, it's a key, key element, part of your development. So for me, playing Varsity Cup was, was critical to, to my development because at there you're playing to to crowds of universities of five to 10,000 people on a, on, a, on a normal game that you never find anywhere else except a professional game. And, and also it starts, also you also start learning how to understand what it means to have fans, what it means to have supporters, what it means to have, um, to have pressure on you because it's a very pressure situation because the whole university is, is behind you trying to make sure that you win the game. Mm, mm. So, so that in some sense has helped you to be able to handle the pressure in playing for a bigger team like the Lions, for instance? No, absolutely. I think if it wasn't for Vostik Cup, I probably wouldn't have, I wouldn't have really made it to the Lions. And also when I was at the Lions, I got chosen actually from playing at the Vostik Cup. Um, mm. A coach by the name of John Mitchell, which is one of England's, uh, England's coaches, one of the most respected coaches in the world. I mean, he saw me playing Vostik Cup and said, listen, I think this young boy's got talent. And I got pulled up to the Lions Super Rugby and Curry Cup squad. How did that make you feel, uh, that experience of being called by such a coach? Did you, were you always believing in yourself that you know I can do this or what, was that an add-on? I think somewhere, I think when you, when you believe in divine or you believe that God is, God is working everything out for you, I think that's where you see it and you realize that it doesn't matter how long or where you're working, someone out there will find your talent. If you're working hard enough for your opportunity, for your responsibility and you're putting in the work that someone will find you out there. And so when other coaches might have discarded me because they thought I was too young, but a coach like John Mitchell, absolute foreigner to South Africa at the time, had only been in South Africa for two, three weeks. And I mean, he saw me playing rugby and said, listen, young man, I think I think I can go places with you. And it's an absolute testament of my career to be able to coach by that man and say, wow, like to be recognized by him and say, I think you've got talent is, is an amazing adornment or endowment in my, in my career. Yeah, because again, it's a case of Cristiano Ronaldo and Messi uh, thing. Messi is, is, a, is very talented, very. 
Cristiano Ronaldo hard worker. I think even Ibrahimovic is the same thing. He's I think he's 40 something. He's 39 or 40 something years, but he he's a hard worker and he, he's still working and he's still playing well at his, at his age. Whereas Messi is I don't know on your view he is more talented than the two, but the other two work hard. So well, I'm, I'm I'm understanding what you mean by work ethic and working hard to make the team. No, but Timo, I'm sure as you've also probably alluded to it, also as you've uh, realized as well with the previous speakers as well on on the on this great podcast, is understanding that there's an, there's definitely a responsibility or there's a, there's definitely an eye window of, of talent, but there's also definitely a massive onus on that talent to work itself, for that talent to work and absolutely graft itself till it becomes really what it's what it's made out to be. I mean, even a guy like um, Professor Tim Noakes that you also had on one of your show. I mean, mm. Tim Noakes is, is, I'm sure he's a really incredible runner and he ran really well, but he also had to put in a lot of hours, a lot of research, a lot of um, work that was done outside of the hours that no one else had realized into becoming who he is today. He doesn't become mm. a professor by mistake. He's not a professor, but just by his understanding of of human physiology, it's it's something that he's put time and effort into, and when the opportunity met him, he was mm. able to write a book. He was able to become yeah. a professor. Yeah. So, so from there, you you varsity cup, you go to the Lions. What happens after that? Yeah, your story. So I go to the Lions, man, and I have an absolute ball of a time. I'm I'm yeah. being coached by John Mitchell, uh, who was once the All Blacks um, All Blacks coach, and he's saying to you, like. I think you've got talent to really become something special, which is massive. And also we're being coached by a guy called uh, Carlos Spencer as well. He's our, he's our tech coach. Also, Carlos Spencer is one of the mavericks of, of sport. He's, he's one of rugby's Maradonas in his, in his own sense. He also wears the number 10 jersey as well. So it's not a, a really incredible coach. So it was a, a great time for me as a young man to be, to be developing and to be involved in the system with some of the best coach at that time. I played for the Lions at that time, played about 30, 40 games for the Lions, Curry Cup, Super Rugby. But after a while, the system starts getting starts getting crowded. And I realized to myself, I actually need more, more playing time than what I was getting at that time. I felt that I wasn't a good system, but I would have loved to play a lot more game time. I was coming on off the bench, a couple of games, just playing here and there. I was The coach was developing it. But by the time I was hasty, I thought... I want to play. I want to play every you single were, game. And so young and I want, I'm a young man. My, my mm. testosterone is, is, is shooting inside of me. Mm, mm, so mm. I decide, no, let me leave after two and a half years. I decided to go to the Lippers and uh, in Pochettrum back again to in order to get game time. And so I left back to the Leopards to get game time. And I was playing there every single weekend from the first minute for 80 minutes. So it was a good time yeah, as well yeah. just mm. to develop as well. Is it is it not ironic that you you your, your debut game was against the Bruins, or was it not? Maybe my research is wrong. Do you remember when but you? But I'm were sure no. But I mean, you're you're a, <laughs> I mean, for you one of your friends. There's probably connectedness and understanding some of the yeah. you understand the important moments in life and yeah. and, you know, and life is life is funny like that. We <laughs> we think something is very mundane, but meanwhile. God or divinity or however some people use it. For me, it's God. For me, it's it's a creator. He's busy. He's busy making something beautiful out of your story. Yeah, Kana. And then so you you went and played for the Lions, and then you went to a Southern Kings or 
where you became a captain. I went somewhere. to Leopards and then Leopards to get game time from the Leopards. Then I got called up to the Southern Kings in 2013 to play Super Rugby for them. So by the time I'd gone to the Kings in, in Eastern Cape, I'd also told myself I'll never go play in the Eastern Cape. It looks like such a dodgy place. It looks like such a... It looks like the end of the world. So it's... Um, but but, but as I know that I... But I, I, I think... I'm enjoying it. It was... Uh, you became a captain eh, when you were there. Yeah, I ended up becoming captain of the Super Rugby team there. Had some great moments. Also, some of my best games in my life were being played in the, in the in Eastern Cape with the Southern Kings. I'm, I'm wondering, how, how, how would you define uh, being a leader? Or how, would, how were you finding like, the, the role of leadership at that time? Being a captain and all. Because I, I, I think you didn't I think, think at that, that time... Mm. Yeah, yeah, continue. I think at that time I'm 27. And so I'm 20, 27, 26 at that time. So I'd, I had what you call, I had a lot of career capital in the sport, a lot of expertise in, in a couple of fundamental areas that are really good for to being a hooker, to being a captain as well. I'd also experienced a lot of good things in my career. I'd built up enough credibility for the people around me to say, wow, I think you're probably the guy that's got the most credibility and the most understanding of where we're at, can you please lead us? And so mm. those were some of the ingredients that really allowed me and allowed the people to also choose me as their captain. So what, how does the process work? The players choose the, the captain? It is all it depends just... on various coaches. Some coaches okay. choose a captain that's very close to them. And in some systems, uh, only the players choose. But when we're at the Kings, only the players chose. So it wasn't a thing of the coach choosing you. And then from there, the coach starts building a much more intimate relationship with you because you understand that you're the people's choice, as, as yeah. some people would say. Yeah. But do, did you have any self-doubt that you will be able to do this? Because sometimes we get cold feet from tra from transitioning from one place to another. Did you ever doubt that actually Edda can do this? I think sometimes you do. You look at other people and you think, wow, I think that person could probably lead other people because you're very sort of... Um, outward outward looking so you're always looking at who could lead this team and you never sometimes think that it's you actually the, the the solution to the problem sometimes we think wow i want to become this i think this guy can be such a great such a great actor but you never knowing or never really recognizing that actually you might actually be the the great actor that everyone's actually waiting for how 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 bad is it that people we tend to compare ourselves to other people where else we have this opportunity of comparing ourselves to who we were the day before and trying to improve on that. Instead, whoever and say, hey, that, that guy is much better than me. I won't be able to do, to do this. But life is, they will, there's always going to be a hierarchy. There's always going to be somebody who is much better than you because they've got the experience and they've got the skill and they've been developing all over the years. But that does not mean that you must now start comparing yourselves, yourself with those people. How, how, how bad is it for one to compare themselves to other people? Because if you didn't give Tim, yourself... I think a, yeah, friend, yeah, yeah. a friend of mine once put in a good way, he said that comparison is a thief of joy. Mm. So the moment you start comparing yourself, you start losing your joy in what you're doing because you're mm. always comparing, mm. oh, last week was better than this week. How about we just say this week is the best week? I don't need to have a look at last week or what the future week mm. is mm. or who the other is. So comparison is the thief of joy. And once we understand what it is to 
I could never be anyone else. All I can become is, is the best version of Edgar and that's all that I can ever be. Yes, yes. And that's, that's important to, to continuously tell yourself that. Uh, so what type of mentors did, did you have around you at the time? Was your, was your dad still alive? So my, my father passed away at the age of 15. Uh, oh. Unfortunately, by the time around my career, I've had a couple of people that have played a really, really crucial role. Some of them, some of them even without even realizing were really my mentors. I mean, I also had pictures of people up on my walls. I used to have pictures of, of the Springboks up on my wall. I used to have pictures of... of um, Martin Luther King, I really like Martin Luther King a lot. Um, so even those people were mentors to me, even though they didn't know it. And mm. also family of mine, there were, was a guy called Dater Bosman, the guy that came up with the idea of Vasti Cup. He was also a massive mentor to me in my career that said, Edgar, you can become whatever you want to become. Mm. There was a guy called Matthew Potford that was the head coach at the Potsdam University that also is now also the England's forwards coach. And he was like, Edgar, you can become whatever you want. And then along a lot of times in my career, there's also a lot of other guys that have also played really, really key roles as being pastors and friends, as being mothers, even that mothers also are mentors as well, even with their prayers, with their understanding, with their ability just to hold the phone and say, my son, it's going to be okay. They also play a mentorship role in who we become. Yeah, because I think you you play, you play spend a lot of time away from home. Uh, Poch Boys, UJ, uh, I mean, UJ, Lions. So you were always away from home. So having those kind of people around you and people that you can look up to made a, a huge difference. Because I guess in those times, uh, 2013, 14, there were not a lot of black rugby players to look up to. Unlike now, a lot of players look and the guys who were at the World Cup and be like, I want to be like that. But in your case, it was not, was, was not there. No, you're, com you're completely right, uh, Demo. I mean, that's, that was a, a really incredible time and all the people that I knew I could never really relate to in terms of, in terms of saying, I've got affinity or I've got an ability to, to resonate with another black rugby player because no one else had played hooker that I'd know. Or oh, there was guys like Shimangi, but I never really ever spoke to them. But mm. I never really spoke to the guys. They were never really as famous as the guys are now. They're not as, as well known. They're not as well articulated as some of the guys are now. Now the young people have got Lukanyo Amakazoli Mampimpi, they've got Cheslin Colby, they've got yeah, uh, Damon Willemsa, they've got all these other black people to look up to. They've got Trevor Nyakani, they've got Lizard Boboka, they've got Chili Boy, they've got all those times. So in our times, it was a completely different time. I think we were one of the the pathways or the or the groundsmen in order to be able to create a way where a guy like Skarantubeni can come in today and feel comfortable environments. We had yeah, to pave yeah. some of the way for those guys. Yeah, that's 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 how I see things right now. There's like there's always someone there now. Even when you when you are, a, you, are, you are 14 years or 13 years old and you are black and you want to tell your mother that you want to play rugby, your mother's going to think, oh, so look at one, let's see how it goes. Go and play that one. It's the right spot. Go and play. So it's it's nice to do that because soccer has been around for a long time. So when a child says they want to play soccer, their parents are more accessible to them, to the child going to play to play that sport. So you give up your your captaincy, uh, you, you joined the Bulls. Uh, what led to that? 
Oh man, that was one of the one of the biggest decisions of my life. Really difficult. Uh, I tore my heart apart because I felt in the Eastern Cape you feel so connected to the people, you feel so connected to the to the province because it's the one place. Doesn't matter how many games you win or lose, the people are at every game. Mm. It almost looks like fifteen thousand people. Whether you're winning or no, it will not happen. Any other team in South Africa where you lose games, week in and week in out, but there's still fifteen thousand people. The people of Port Elizabeth love that team. Mm, mm, mm. But I mean, as like all good things in life, they all have to end, and change is also inevitable in life, as with as with everything else. And so, I realized to myself at the time, really, I I just making the the SA the SAA squad, so I was on the verge really of becoming a Springbok. I was in the best form of my career at the time. I mean, some people would have said I probably should have become uh, should have played the Springboks at the time, and at the time I really felt like it. And so, the only inevitable step to take was to was to chase the highest peak of all sport and say, what's the best place that I can go to? And when the Bulls came in offer, there were various other offers on the table, but I decided that I want to chase the highest peak. I can't keep running around hoping that I'll play for game time or I'll play for whatever. Let's chase whoever's be. At that time, Arjun Strauss was the, was the captain of the, of the, of the, of the Springboks and also of the Vodacom Bulls. But I thought, why not? I can take this guy absolutely on. Let's go. Mm, mm. So you you played for the Bulls a bit, and then some injuries caught up. What what happened? So I played for the Bulls about uh, two years consistently on a very consistent basis, and then the last two years I've had an Achilles injury that also hurt my also starts of my career. But I see the Achilles injury the last two years as being a as also being a time really of of being able to to retire from the game or leave the game in a much more in a much more easier transition when no one when no one had to say to me, no, listen, you can't play. Or I couldn't even say to myself, no, I want to go there, I want to go there. I think God was also using even Achilles injury to say, Edgar, it's time to, it's time to tired now. Move on to something else. Become and explore other talents and avenues that you might have. Yeah, yeah, that's that's key. So you became a coach. Was that something so yeah, so was that something that you always thought of doing in the in the back of your head i always wanted to actually leave rugby completely i, I always said to myself i left home my mother will say this joke that she edgar you left home at the age of 12 i've never seen you since you were 12 so you so were, you were thinking of going back home studying a, a, no a so i thought i thought of i thought of always being involved in business or being involved in something else or i even even thought of a time of being a pastor i felt hmm. I felt really called to move back to Port Elizabeth and uh, in some sort of role as a, uh, as in being involved in the church and being involved in uh, community service work and doing some sort of good work for the people in Port Elizabeth. Mm, mm, mm. So the idea of being a coach just came about it's something that no, when you love people, you. you love people. Ah. You love people. You love people. Demo. You know. I mean, you ah. look at yourself. I mean, yeah. it's not something. When you're talented in a particular area, no one has to, no matter where you can go, it will always shine. There's a, there's a scripture in, in the Bible and Proverbs says, your gift will bring you before the presence of kings. Mm, and so mm. your gift will always be there. And so to love people, to be involved with people, this was just a natural step into becoming a coach was that I believe that um, I love people. I love the expression of, of human talent becoming better than anything it's ever been in its life. And so this was a natural progression and something that I thought was really easy getting into. So now you, you move from being a player to a coach. So I want us to look at those two, two, two profiles and say, 
to be a good player, you need to have these type of characteristics, the characteristics that you look for in a player. And then as a coach, these, these are the type of characteristics one should have to become a better coach. So let's start so with at the player. moment, Tim, I'm also the I'm also yep. the high performance coordinator as well at the post. So mm. uh, part of my portfolio at the moment is I, I get involved in coaching, but I also get involved a lot in the administration side of the game, understanding okay. what the players need from a contractual point of basis, where the players are coming from. So I'm not just a coach of coaching on the field, but I'm also one that's that's scouting, that's also involved with the administrational part of of the rugby. So I understand it more holistically, understanding yeah. what it takes to form a a great organization, a great team, not just not just a, a backline or a forward team, but understanding what makes a great institution. Mm. And so for me now, when I look at the two different profiles, I, I see a coach as someone that guides players to become the full expression of who they are. No coach can really, I mean, we, we, try, and, we try and really coach players and say, listen, you can acquire these skills, but our job is actually to facilitate a person's journey, really. We are facilitators. We're not really coach. We're not, we, we're not in the term as people would think that we give people this and this skill that they become a completely different person. I mean, you would understand as well, being in the fitness uh, in the fitness industry, that our job as coaches is to facilitate people on the journey that they want to go on. We're mm. the accountability. We're the one that says, no, you might be, what's your goal? Where do you want to go to? I think you're not right. I think you're good. I think you could move that. Have you, have you thought of that? Mm, and mm, as, as a mm. player you're just thinking to yourself I want to be the absolute best I've got my characteristics that I want as a player is you think to yourself I want I want to develop I want to be part of an organization I want to be part of a team where we're winning consistently all the time I want to become the best and so there's a, a, a beautiful dynamic between the two where one guy is wanting to be the best and, they, and they're killing themselves to become that and there's this person that says lift yourself up lift yourself up. I think you can become that. Become better. This is what you're doing. So our job is to facilitate and, and allow the player to become all that he's wanted to become. Oh, so it's almost like rising of the phoenix. So the, whilst they, they are on their rise, you are busy facilitating them where they are to where they want to be and helping them get Absolutely. There. Absolutely. And helping, them, and helping them get there. Because I don't think it's... With a, it whether you you if you whether it doesn't matter the type of qualifications you have, if the player if you can't relate with the players or and the players can't relate with you, no bachelor's degree, no paper, is going to facilitate the growth for the players. Even with even with general public people that I'm training, if I can't uh, have a uh, if I can't relate with them. I will, they will they will never hear anything I tell them. Doesn't matter if I tell them, okay, no, fix your deadlift, do that. They will they will never change. They will just remain the same way and probably leave. I mean, that's probably one of the most critical skills in coaching. The 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 attributes or the characteristic of someone where you identify yourself as a coach is, and that's what separates people from. No, I, I like the idea of coaching to someone that's sustainable in coaching is that when you want to be sustainable in coaching for the long term, not just for results, but also for the belief and the upliftment of people, you've got to have a dynamic of understanding that it's not about you and it's about players, it's about mm. the other person. And through that, there's a facilitation of, of your understanding that, wow, I need a particular empathy and a sympathy for other people ah. so that 
I can understand, oh, I know that it's a struggle, but yeah. this is how you get out of your struggle. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's it's a continual, you never really understand it. You are continuously learning the whole time. And like, this is how things work. Tomorrow, there's something new. Next year, there's always something. So you are continuously growing. So what, what do you look for in, in, in players though? Characteristics that make a good player? So for me now, even while we're scouting right now, I'm still scouting at the moment, scouting players for different programs and that sort of stuff. What I look for in a player, I look for humility. I look for humility and I look for hunger. Mm. Those are two uh, personality traits that what I do think you mean, are really, what, really, really... What do you mean by hunger? Hunger, I mean an absolute desire in themselves to become better than what they are. Okay. I mean, we work in a high-performance environment, so our our situation or our environment does not allow for the casual biwalker that wants to, oh, maybe I can do this rugby thing. Maybe I'd yeah. like to. I'm if thinking of that. So in our, mm. No, in our sport, in our, in our industry. And I mean, there's places for that. You can play at a club. You can play at the park with your friends. In my environment, we're a high performance environment. So we're looking for players that definitely have a desire to become the absolute best they can become. And an ability to be, hum to be humble is, an, uh, is to say that I'm coachable. Coach, I can't become better than what I am. But mm. can you help me become better than what I am? That's mm. where we look for in the ability of saying humility and, and hunger. Mm. Uh, I think we're going to uh, leave it there. Uh, but before I leave you, because I know you've got coaching. You're coaching under 18s for the Blue Bulls. Under 18 Blue Bulls high performance squad, yeah. How's that experience been for you uh, till now, since you started? How has that experience been for you? Sure, you've grown a lot. No. It's an, it's an incredible journey as well. I mean, also, it, it's also humbling as well to you as a coach to, to think that, also as a former player, to think that I used to, I used to be that guy as well. I mean, I used to be <laughs> that same 18-year-old I'm looking at now and I'm thinking to myself, wow, like, look at how small they are or look at how confused or how the lack of understanding. And what helps me is that understanding, I was like, it comes back to me like, I used to be exactly the same person where these kids are and I've got a responsibility to help and facilitate them to achieve all their dreams. Mm -hmm. Okay, so at the end of the show, I always ask my guests four questions. Uh, didn't send them to you. So uh, I trust you will do well. I trust you. All right. You will do well. So first question is, if you had the opportunity to interview or have lunch with anyone who is still alive, who would that person be and why? Who is still alive? Yeah. I think I'd probably I'd probably interview a guy like Sir Ramaphosa. I think okay. I've got a lot of respect for the man. I think to lead this country through where we are right now, you've got to have a lot of you've got to have a lot of particular skills. You've got to have a lot of attributes. You've got a lot of, a lot of heart, but you also got to have a lot of empathy and understanding for people and the dynamics that are involved. And he's probably got the most toughest job, probably in the world. And he's and I think he's succeeding in doing what he's doing. It's slow. But he's doing a great job on what he's doing. I'd love to meet him. Mm, uh, how? Yeah, let's let me just quickly add on to that. A lot of people have been complaining about the pandemic, which is which is a which is a fair thing. Have you? How has it been for you? Have you found opportunities to grow within the pandemic, or are you also complaining about it? Not at all. I think. Um, I don't, I don't harbor, I don't cultivate. 
negativity in my life. I've got no, I've got no, I've got no zero tolerance for negativity in my life. I believe that there's enough of that in the world. I don't, I sometimes don't watch news for months on the end. I don't have a TV at home. I don't watch Same news. I'm not on, I'm not on any social, I'm not on any social, um, social media mm-hmm. pages whatsoever because I'm trying to cultivate an, an understanding of, of, of excellence, of improvement, of strengths, of, of celebrating people more than actually, actually breaking down and trying to bring people down. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, number two, uh, if you had the opportunity to buy anyone a book as a gift, which book would that be and why? Please don't, don't say the Bible. Okay. No, I've got two books. I've got two books. I've got two books. I hope you don't mind. I've got two books. It's okay. Uh, the one book I'd say is um, Man's Search for Meaning ah, by um, Victor Franklin. By is it Victor Franklin. Franklin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I want that Franklin. book. Probably want that book. one of the best books that's ever changed my life, man. It's, it's, it's an mm. incredible book and just insight into human beings. That's quite um, exciting. The other book, the other book I, I, I'd, I'd recommend to people it's probably a book called Strength Finders. It's by a guy called Jim Clifton. He Come writes again? a book called Strength Finders. And Strength Finders. Jeff, uh, Jim, Jim Clifton. Okay. Jim mm. Clifton writes a book called Strength Finders. Okay. And in the book, you'll, you'll find your strengths of each person's personality. And ah. it's, it's an excellent tool of understanding yourself and what areas you're really good. And that way, you're able to empower yourself. And no one's the same, but it, it really, really is a great book. Hmm. Uh, what's your most favorite quote or mantra? Most favorite quote? Mm. Um, I think uh, Martin Luther King says this. Um, he says that uh, if you can't fly, then you must run. Mm. If you can't run, then you must walk. If you can't walk, then you must crawl. Mm. But no matter what you do, just keep moving forward. Always. Always the case. You, I, th- I think that's a very... Very good quote. Um, the last question is, how would you like to be remembered, Edgar? How would I like to be remembered? Uh, I think for me, I'd love to be remembered as someone that gave impetus to people's life. I, I believe in, I believe in human beings. I believe people have got incredible talent, and we all have an innate ability. So for me, as I would love to be remembered as someone that gave impetus, motivation, someone that said, Edgar. That someone that said, uh, I can do all things. Someone that said to you, you can become better than anything you've ever become. You can become all things that you ever dream of. I'd love to give impetus to, to civilization, to people, to individuals. That's, that's what I remember remembered for. Mm. Now, brother, uh, thank you very much for making the time to speak with me. Uh, we met in the gym. Actually, we met Seattle. And I introduced myself and we spoke a bit. Then later I started coming to the gym, started talking. And a year later, here we are sitting down, having a conversation. And thank you very much for your time. Um, also, I'm looking forward to coming in the, the gym. The, I'm, I'm very unhappy that the, the gym is just next to where I work. And I've never been inside the gym. So I'm hopefully one time, We'll organize, uh, just come by and have a look. I'm not gonna train. If I train, great, but I'm just gonna come there and have a look and see what you are doing and most possibly learn from the things that you are doing. No, Timo, that'd be, it'd be great to have you. I don't know anyone who look in as good condition as you are. I mean, you're probably in the 
you're probably in the peak condition of any human being. So we'll try and maybe bring you in and see maybe what rugby players can do. We won't look that good, but we sure can push a lot of things and I'm sure we can move really quickly. Yeah, my brother, uh, thank you for your time. Thank uh, you very much, Timo. Thank you, thank you, thank you very much for listening to the show. So the best way I know how for you to support the show is by rating us on the platform in which you are listening to the show from. Uh, just hit us up with a review, a nice review, and then a five star on top of that. And then take a skin grab and post it on your Instagram story and tag us or tag me, demo uh, underscore KK, and I will definitely repost. Uh, otherwise... See you guys next week. Hey, ta-da.